Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast race week edition. Yes, Formula One is officially back. We have only got three days as of recording right now before it's lights out and away we go. And of course, it's not just myself to enjoy this with. There's Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder in the, one of the cleanest, most aesthetically pleasing rooms I've ever seen. And Katie, the WTF1 author, what's the next book? Um, the Life and Times of Matt Gallagher, the autobiography. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, people might actually believe Coming that. to a bargain bin near you. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're going to start with the bargain bin. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Don't care. Right. Before we dive into uh, pre-season Formula One, this podcast is sponsored by Elgato. You may have noticed how much more beautiful we sound and look on Tommy and Katie's behalf, not myself. Uh, they've sent us microphones, lights, webcams, and we, I think we can almost class ourselves as professional these days. So thank you so much to Elgato for sponsoring our season long worth of podcasts. It's great to have them on board. So uh, yeah, thank, big thanks to them. And also it's worth mentioning, we have, drum roll please. Hit one million subscribers! <laughs> Your noise just cancelled then. Yeah, <laughs> both of you cancelled each other out, I think. But either way, uh, thank you, uh, everybody, for subscribing. Unbelievable. I cannot believe that we have hit one million YouTube subscribers. That is quite possibly the most baffling number. When I first started, and I think Tommy will attest to this because he's been there since day one. Sorry, Katie, not having a go at you for not being there since day one. But uh, when, when we first started the YouTube channel, when Tommy was you know, hiring for people like me to come on board, uh, I think 100k was, uh, you know, very much uh, in the distance, like, oh, maybe we'll be able to get to that. To get 1 million, to have all of you along with us for the podcast, for everything else that we do, it means so much to us. And uh, I'm sure Tommy and Katie, you feel very similar. Absolutely. It's insane. Like you say, a million. I can't quite grasp a million people because we we say it so many times that you look at numbers on the screen, but if you actually think about 1 million people, that is quite insane. And yeah, thank you very much for uh, all subscribing and continuing to enjoy it and send us all the lovely messages that you do. It's amazing. I don't have much more to add than that, apart from thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just get so emotional. Right. There you go. Thanks to Agato and thanks to you. Let's move on now to our first bit of breaking news, which happened actually today, didn't it? Out of the blue, Mr. Nico Hulkenberg is back. Hulkenberg, he's he's back on the grid, Uh, not because he's been given a drive as such, but because unfortunately Sebastian Vettel has been um, has c- contracted COVID-19 and so therefore can't race uh, for the Bahrain GP weekend. We, of course, you know, hope that he is uh, on the, a speedy recovery and uh, that he's OK uh, because, you know, symptoms can vary from person to person. So hopefully Seb is, is, is all good. Um, but yeah, Nico back on the grid for Aston Martin. Don't expect him to get his first podium in that Aston Martin, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know if uh, either of you disagree with that, but... Uh, maybe not his best opportunity. I feel like the, when he had the, uh, was it the Silverstone 70th anniversary he turned, was it that one that he turned up for? Yeah, he popped it like and, P3 and Quali, yeah, didn't he? the car was really good. Uh, I, I'm not sure we're going to see those same antics this weekend. No, I think he'll maybe be scavenging around the points. I can't see a podium on the cards, but hey, this is a brand new season. 
brand new regulations, anything could happen. It could be, we're talking about Mercedes sandbagging. It could be Aston Martin sandbagging. They could be winning the championship this year, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hulkenberg is back, which was quite the surprise. Obviously, he has been Aston Martin's reserve driver. He was it last year. He was it this year. Probably wasn't expecting to be called up quite so soon as the first race of the season. Um, but yeah, gutted to have Sebastian missing this race. Um, but yeah, Hulkenberg, the super sub, um, whatever else he's known as. He's got about a million nicknames now, that guy. I think he's got more nicknames than any driver on the current grid. But yeah, crazy to have him back and best of luck to him this weekend. It's crazy it's him again, like a driver <laughs> missing missing due to COVID. And it just always seems to be Hulk. Hulkenberg is the reserve driver for that team. Um, yeah, I'd be amazed. Obviously, there'll be, I'm sure, lots of podium banter Uh around him from us from us yeah. uh yeah uh he's definitely finishing fourth isn't he um everyone's gonna break down with the poor poising issues and then he'll finish fourth or something um but no i as we went in our predictions i mean we don't know because it's just testing but don't think aston martin are gonna be that good but you never know because it's the first race of the season but what is really funny is that who would have thought at the start of the season that <laughs> Suck my balls, mate. Uh, Magnuson and uh, was quite the segue into that. <laughs> wow, that you did not, you just went straight in. I just went, quite I just literally, went there, literally. Yeah. Uh, Hulkenberg and uh, Magnuson back, they're two best of friends. And uh, imagine saying that even, even after the first test, uh, that those two would be on the grid together absolutely insane. Yeah, hopefully we get to see them maybe side by side into turn one as we well, banging, just to see, yeah. what, see what happens. Uh, I'm not sure. Haas seemed to be even quicker than Aston Martin by a lot of people's predictions, which is something, again, we would not have expected uh, going into uh, Barcelona or Bahrain testing, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, it's great to have Nico back. Obviously, you know, he is a talented driver. He's had some bad fortune, but also just not been able to perform and get that podium. It seems unlikely it's going to happen. But as you say, Tommy, there is uh, many things that could happen. Uh, in on the first Grand Prix of the season. Also, I want to apologise to everybody if I sound horrendous. It's because uh, I'm unwell. So if I'm just like coughing or spluttering or blowing my nose for video viewers, I'm sorry. Right, moving on. Team WTF1 member Connor says, after testing, do you all stand by your pre-season predictions or are you already feeling nervous about them? Well, Connor, yes. I think we all are, especially by our 10th place prediction. Uh, we all just wrote Hass off. Nah, they're in the bin. They're finished. You know, they had a a difficult Barcelona test, but they have absolutely stonked it in Bahrain. And everybody's now, I mean, even Lando's come out and said, yeah, I think we'll be fine for Haas, fighting Haas for like P4. It's like, excuse me? Well, not P4 on the obviously P fourth best team. And like, Sorry, where does this come from, Haas? You know? uh, and I think as well, having Kevin Magnussen in the team is, is a step forward for them. Uh, so I am very nervous about uh, P10 uh, for Haas. I think that, <laughs> I would be, uh, to be fair though, if we're, if we're looking at other things, I think I've had an absolute worldie, uh, at least for the start of the season. Obviously, we haven't even got to Bahrain yet. I'm not going to start gloating until Mercedes yeah. are yeah. the third fastest team. But a lot of people are saying Red Bull, Ferrari fighting for, for the top spot, Mercedes maybe third. Uh, so, you know, if that does come true, I will be, I will, I'd expect every clip ever uh, from that, Tommy, to be honest with you, mate, because, uh, you know, eight time champions. <laughs> Got the crystal ball out. But apart from that, yeah, I, I think there could definitely be some shuffling. Hass is the key one, isn't it? That I think if we had to do them again, I definitely regret doing them after uh, Bar uh, sorry, Barcelona, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'd have all, I'm sure we'd all uh, would 
move Haas off the bottom, probably. I mean, our, our sister brand of the race on the ground, as we've mentioned so many times, they, on the put, ground, yeah. they put Haas uh, fifth in their uh, rankings of their pecking order. Obviously, again, it's like predicting from testing. But, and yeah, like you say, Lando uh, saying that McLaren, that, that that's another, imagine saying that at the start of the season that Lando Norris comes out and goes, I think we're fighting Haas this year. <laughs> um, yeah. I I think I'm not too much on the Haas hype train, but obviously I think they will be uh, not dead last like we thought they were before. Um, and I almost don't want to say it, but it seems like a lot of people, including myself, may, maybe, dare I say it, have underrated Red Bull a bit because um, I think they're one of those Ooh. teams that uh, everyone thought, you know, they put so much into this. Not, this not, is our <laughs> chance to... I mean, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Not everybody on this. This is this is our so much. This is our chance to beat Mercedes. Uh, you know, in 2021, we've thrown everything at it to try and try and win. Maybe next next year is the one where they don't. But maybe we all forgot that they have a certain Adrian Newey who normally thrives under new regulations, especially when they're aero, not um, uh, engines, like uh, we had in 2014 so true um yeah Haas is a bit of a, a difficult one because like you say we predicted this before we had a whole big driver reshuffle and everything like that I'm also not necessarily jumping on the Haas hype train I think as you say the race our sister brand has put them fifth and they do have the advantage of being on the ground and you know seeing them on track whereas we're just having to rely on sky coverage and photos and stuff like that but, um, you know, the times that Magnussen and Schumacher set, it was later in the evening, the track temperatures had gone down, the wind was also a bit of a problem in Bahrain, that might have settled a bit. So I think there are a lot of factors which definitely helped has set those insane lap times and sort of everybody was checking their Twitter be like, Magnussen's gone fast, it's like what on earth is going on? Um, but yeah, may- maybe we're a bit harsh, but circumstances have changed to like, Give us some <laughs> some credit, maybe. Just but. to correct you there, it's not the it's not the hype train, it's the Steiner ship. Oh, sorry. Steiner ship now. He sold a few tickets, well. but but Katie and Tommy have not bought theirs just yet. I've, uh, I've bought uh, one. I might but risk a dinghy, is, I'm afraid. Is the oh <laughs> is the Steiner <laughs> ship hanging off the back of the Ferrari hype train by a little tether? Yeah. Put it on the roof box. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. With so many great shows on Netflix, it's only a matter of time until you run out of stuff to watch. So this whole week, I've been using ExpressVPN to binge other series that aren't available in my country. It's so simple to do. I just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to wherever I need to go, refresh Netflix, and that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. If you love anime, you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag and you can stream in HD no problem. 
If you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com slash WTF1, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the podcast, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Uh, next question from Team WTF1 member Claire Boyle. What team or driver performance, good or bad, would truly shock you if it were to happen this weekend? Okay. Um Truly shock me. Uh, I'm sure there's a few that we can all come up with. My first one would be if Russell outperforms Hamilton in the, in the first race of the season. That would shock me. Um, not to my, to my core, but I mean, I'm sure it would shock a lot of people. Because um, then that would then, of course, start the narrative of, is Hamilton washed? Which, of course, he isn't. But um, but that's what people <laughs> will do, race. especially the Max Verstappen uh, side of the, uh, the F1 Twitter camp. Um, I think that would that would surprise me, not not because I don't think George Russell's good uh, good or anything, but, you know, it's seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton with a new teammate. But uh, what else would surprise me? It would also surprise me if Mick Schumacher beat Kevin Magnussen. I think that... Uh, well, actually, no, I say that out loud. I don't really know. I think that's going to be quite even. As you can tell, I've really thought about this answer. Uh, but no, I think generally what would surprise me is if Ferrari didn't win. There you go. There's my answers. Wow. You're really like, <laughs> no, turning back on the Ferrari hype train now. Um, you do realise that if this doesn't happen now, you, all the, all, like the Tafosi <laughs> will burn your house down. <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you, every single egg in my house is in one <laughs> basket and it's got a Ferrari logo on it. Oh, my God. Um, I'd be surprised with Guan Yuzhou points. I think that would be quite a mix of things. Obviously, being a rookie and Alfa Romeo aren't looking particularly strong. They look stronger in Bahrain um, testing than they did in Barcelona because they had an absolute nightmare there. Um, and, yeah, what else would shock me? Maybe, like... Checo outperforming Max or something that would probably be quite the shock um and I don't know wouldn't it I mean I say this I think it'd be quite funny if Hulkenberg came back and then like out qualified Stroll or something outperform a Stroll that would might maybe be quite a shock for a lot of people and probably damage Lance Stroll's ego quite a bit but yeah they're probably my my ones that would be a real shocker yeah mine would be if a Mercedes isn't on the podium, because I do not believe them one bit that their car is as bad as they say. I don't think they're saying it's bad, but they're obviously saying like, oh, Ferrari and Red Bull are clear, like we're not gonna, we can't challenge for wins. Not not buying it. There was a there was a brilliant thread actually that mm. a few people put together, uh, and someone managed to pull a quote from every single F1 test session since 2017 and found a quote from Lewis Hamilton saying they're on the back foot every <laughs> single one and they have obviously won every single constructors world championship so no but this year might be the <laughs> year this year might be the year <laughs> i think that we have to look out for hamilton going yeah we're looking pretty good that's when that's when they're terrible gonna it's going to be terrible yeah. yeah exactly uh so that is that's interesting. So would that be the only one, Tommy? We gave a couple couple more. Uh, a couple more. Um, I'd be surprised if um, Nicholas Latifi wins the race. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to say Latifi beat Albon, but you went straight for winning the race. Fair enough. Uh, I would also be surprised if Latifi beat Albon, to be honest, because I think Alex should be the, the, the one yeah. to, to lead the team there. Uh, next question. Ryan Erdman. Curious if there are any parallels you can draw from when we entered the turbo hybrid era in 2014 to now, maybe even more of a comparison. I'm curious as to how long it took teams to get up to speed and iron everything out. 
obviously we, we are waiting to see what the development curve is going to be like for this year. I think the main thing for this year compared to 2014 is the fact that both years are very much a development race. What we see in round one in terms of the pecking order will not be the same as we see come Abu Dhabi. So for me, I think the turbo hybrid era was, was a much bigger change because it was an engine and you know, completely different uh, thinking around the, the V6 hybrid. This one's more you know, specifically on aerodynamics, but again, it has the different concepts of ground effect and the team's trying to get their head around that and you know, the whole porpoising issues that you know, Mercedes and a few other teams have been really struggling with. So I would say the biggest comparison is the fact that we can't just take what we see in Bahrain as you know, to be sort of gospel for the rest of the year, especially because they've had 24 hours of testing in Bahrain. They've been able to get an idea of where they can put their car uh, in terms of setup, etc. But when we move to Saudi Arabia and and the rest of the season, they haven't got that luxury of all that data. So I think it's just going to be the fact that this this season will chop and change. If Mercedes are off the pace, I don't see them being off the pace for very long. Yeah, I, that's why I'm not too uh, worried about my prediction too much. And even if uh, we are to believe uh, Hamilton and Russell saying they're not challenging for wins, you know, you'd think Mercedes would be there at the end of the season um definitely up there um with 2014 i guess the the thing was that mercedes just absolutely dominated uh even more than you know i know red bull dominated in 2013 you can say but but 2014 was literally like every race it's a no it's like it's there's no one to challenge it was just mercedes so um i'm hoping and praying that no team uh you know, even if it is a new team in Ferrari or someone, I'm sure Matt won't agree with this, but I don't want them to be no, winning I every race by Matt. And yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair, fair comment that uh, we just want want it to be close. And 2014 was not close, so that that was the the worrying thing about the era that one team might just absolutely nail it. You know, Haas uh, been sandbagging the whole time, and actually, you know, those uh, runs were. F- full fuel and they're actually 30 <laughs> seconds a lap quicker than everyone they're else in reverse uh, gear. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah I'd, I'd i'd go with that um that'd be the the biggest thing for me i uh, just hopefully no one dominates <laughs> before i make my point as well like talking of Haas, it would just be the most ironic situation if obviously Mazepin and his dad and his money is now out the sport but like all of that money and investment they put into 2021 to make this 2022 car decent and now <laughs> it's happened it's here and they're, they're nowhere to be seen so but my sympathy only runs so deep with that um but with the 2014 comparison um yeah obviously there were more internal changes in terms of the power unit changing and things like that whereas I guess it's more of an external changes that you're seeing to how the aerodynamics and stuff work on these 2022 cars. But there was certainly a few hiccups in the early start of 2014. I mean, just looking at the Malaysian Grand Prix, which was the second race on the calendar, um, there were several retirements. Esteban Gutierrez had a gearbox issue, so did Sergio Perez. Sutil and Maldonado had power unit issues. Jean-Eric Verne had an issue with his turbo. Jules Bianchi had an issue with his brakes. So yeah, there's certainly lots of retirements and, and reliability woes at the start of 2014, but this is very much a big change, but for other reasons. So I don't think we're gonna see as many technical issues and troubles with these new cars. Um, and I mean, Formula One has become so reliable nowadays. Like it's almost not unheard of, but it's very, 
unlikely that we get kind of many big you know power unit failures and back in like a few years ago you know it almost was like a one time every race where a car would suddenly have a big plume of smoke coming out the back of it and it'd have to pull over to the side. And we don't see that too often. The last one I can kind of think back to was maybe Perez when he had that like almighty failure in Bahrain. I think it must have been Bahrain because he then won the next race. Yeah, that one ran across the uh, the track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite the level of like, oh, everybody's just retiring because of all these issues. Um, in 2022 not to jinx or anything right (laughs) (laughs) one thing we've actually not mentioned is uh obviously mclaren didn't actually sort their brake issues out so i guess there is a little bit of that but agree with you that there's not anything uh, it's like we've said like so many times that a lot of that was because of that turbo hybrid like that new turbo hybrid Mm. which is why the gearbox are breaking all this kind of stuff a lot of that is the same um but yeah, if McLaren don't get that brake issue sorted, then that's in big trouble. They, they are, yeah, I mean, they couldn't do a race distance, which is um, that's going back to sort of like McLaren Honda preseason testing, where yeah. you hear stuff Flash like tracks. that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting first race for, for McLaren. They'll, they'll obviously know by free practice at the end of tomorrow uh, whether they've been able to figure out uh, the problems behind those brake issues. Because, you know, if you can't do a race distance, they won't be scoring any points and they won't even be making it to the end of the race, uh, most likely. Next question. Team WTF1 member Fud Dud asks, of the 10 drivers on the grid with zero wins in F1, who do you expect will get their first win this season? And why is it Carlos Sainz? He didn't say <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Carlos Sainz, no doubt. Carlos Sainz. Oh. Yeah, Carlos, I think. Russell is kind of a no-brainer. Um, Norris. There are so many, though. This is the thing. I don't think it's going to be Yuki Tsunoda. Sorry, Tommy. Just putting that out there. But, <laughs> yeah, if I had to <clears> pick a name, I'll go boring and I'll go Russell. I think Sainz uh, will get it first. Um, and then, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Russell won at least one race. Depends if McLaren can sort it. Mm. Maybe that's a bold prediction that Lando won't win a race. Yeah, I don't think Lando um, win a race I don't think he'll win a race McLaren. this year. Yeah, if they're as bad as uh, their test goes. Um, yeah, it's going to be... It's a race between Science and Russell who gets that first win. And I think uh, you guys can also do a prediction that one of them will win within the first three races. Yeah, I'll allow that when Charles Leclerc won the first two and then the <laughs> third one, uh, he actually lets his teammate through just for banter because he knows he's going to win the rest of the season. They're really yeah. good at doing that at Ferrari, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it is an interesting one. I think for me, I believe Carlos Sainz has more of a chance of beating Charles Leclerc in a race than perhaps George Russell will over Lewis Hamilton. I feel like they're, they're, the pace difference between those two teammates may be a little bit closer on the, on the Ferrari side. So that that's my thinking. Uh, next up. You've all, you've all done it, haven't you? Yeah. You've all done that answer. Good. Uh, the Reese B. Do you think Russell will take a few races to show his potential or will he be on form from the start? Let me get my crystal ball out again. Uh, I think, uh, I personally think he'll be a couple of tenths off uh, Hamilton to begin with. And I think that may well be a running f- sort of, I think he'll have a few decent races where maybe he's quicker than Hamilton. I think the the recurring thing will be that he's maybe a tenth or two shy. I think he'll be more he'll be stronger than Bottas in the race. That's what I think. But he'll also be prone to a few more mistakes. Uh, so that that's my thinking of George Russell. 
I can see Russell out qualifying Hamilton every now and then. Maybe it wouldn't have even surprised me if Hamilton, uh, Russell, is that too much? Out qualified Hamilton throughout the season. Wow. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be amazed if he did. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a whitewash, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but again, this is all just my gut feeling and prediction is I don't think Russell will be there in the races. And I think that's where Hamilton will be a lot stronger. And I think that, uh, you know, even if Russell is on the pace uh, in qualifying and can occasionally beat, uh, beat Lewis in qualifying, whether he'll be out racing Hamilton, I personally don't think so. Ooh. Well, Lewis Hamilton, I say it like he's, you know, used to finishing seventh or something in the first races of the season. But looking back at his track record from 2016, at least, you know, in Austria, he finished second, uh, not Australia, he finished <laughs> second. In 2017, he did the same. 2018, he did the same. Finished fourth in Austria, but that was mainly because he got the drive-through penalty. And that obviously, Bahrain, he won it. That was actually Austria. <laughs> this is why my brain's like, what? Um, and then obviously one in Bahrain last year. So there is a history to him maybe taking a little bit of time to get into things. I think that's fair to say. I mean, like I say, it's not exactly like a shocking performance, finishing second, like most people would take that. Um, but maybe Russell will see that and think, well, this is going to be my chance if he, if he takes a while to get into the flow of things to like go ham, no pun intended. And, you know, make the headlines in uh, for the first race of the season. Um, but then also Hamilton, I think he th- like thrives off um, like I'm, I'm sure he'll thrive off what happened in Abu Dhabi, obviously as brutal and as savage as it was. You know, he's going to want to come back and prove to everyone that like he has still got it, that he's still this incredible driver and that um, he's got a point to prove. And uh, so to answer your question, <laughs> I'm sitting on the fence. <laughs> Hamil- Hamilton's not going to be able to uh, do what he did with Bottas and just kind of be like, all right, Bottas, we'll let you win the first race. And then I'll, <laughs> then, then I'll actually start winning now and just show you that you actually you've got no chance of winning the world title. I, I think it's not going to happen with Russell. No, I think for Mercedes as well, obviously they brought in George Russell to nurture him into the next Lewis Hamilton. That's what obviously they're thinking to have him as the, uh, the lead uh, sort of driver moving forward uh, into Formula One. But Mercedes don't want really, ideally, George Russell to win the first race. Let's be real. They don't, because uh, that will cause a lot of storylines. Uh, what they will do behind the scenes in terms of, you know, will it be an absolute level playing field? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I can't imagine Mercedes will be too keen on uh, making their seven-time champ look anything but the number one driver and the best driver in the team. So... It could be quite interesting. Be a Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc situation. Yeah, uh, you never know. It's you almost underplayed. Know. It's almost underplayed that like how unbelievably exciting that is. That even if it is for, uh, which it won't be, but uh, even if it is based on them, fifth and fifth and sixth that they're fighting for, um, <laughs> it's still absolutely fascinating to see how that driver dynamic happens. Mm. Yeah, can't wait for it. I can't believe it's real. It'll, it'll <laughs> yeah. only feel real when we see them on the grid on Sunday, I think. Uh, next question, Daniel Humble 10. Who do you think will win in the in-team battle between K-Mag and Mick Schumacher this season? I obviously came out and was like, oh, I'll be surprised, blah, blah, blah. But I I keep toing and froing with this one because I think K-Mag 
is a decent driver. You know, people are like, oh, all right, calm down. It's only K-Mag. Uh, but he, I, I read that he is one of only three drivers to get a podium in his debut. So, you know, he's got the minerals, as I like to say. And then never did uh, it again. Well done. <laughs> never did it again, but at least he's got one. Um, but uh, <laughs> More than I've got, so. I think K-Mag will probably come out on top in this inter-team battle between Mick Schumacher and, uh, and K-Mag, but I think it'll be reasonably close. I think Mick will show his his potential in some races. I don't think he'll have the consistency over the whole year. Plus, I think I've said before, I think Mick takes it a year to warm up. And for me, I think that Mick will almost see these cars as his first season kind of going again sort of thing. And he's always needed a year in junior formula to get right up to speed. So for me, I think K-Mag, with his experience, knowing the team really well, uh, will we'll come out on top in that battle. I'm going to go with Kevin as well. As much as I love you, Mick, I think Kevin's got more experience under his belt. Um, obviously, he's not been in Formula One for a whole year, so might take a little bit of getting used to, but I feel like he's a very reliable pair of hands and feet behind the wheel. So, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, I'd also say Kevin, so it's probably going to be Mick now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I the think Magnussen, yeah. No, I think Magnussen, uh, again, from from the experience he's got, but again, going on the sort of like teammate narrative, this is so good to where we can actually see what Mick Schumacher's like. No pressure. Excited. I, look, I'd more than happily be wrong in this prediction because, you know, I'm sure the Mick Schumacher fanboy uh, within me, of course, kind of, you know, stemming from Michael, will eventually rear its head uh, when we get to see Mick <laughs> fighting for anyone, uh, fighting with anyone, bar his own teammate. Uh, so I'm sure we'll Ferrari see. are probably quite happy that they've now got some kind of yardstick that they mm-hmm. can see as well yeah. and measure him because that would that was always the thing for me that was like it's almost like Mick Schumacher's destiny is with Ferrari at some point, but one. Carlos Sainz is doing really, really well. So when do they get rid of him? Probably not for very long. And um, yeah, Mick, Mick Schumacher, like, how can you tell he's ready if he's just finishing 19th ahead of Mazepin every race? So this is going to be really good. Can't judge him at all. So much you? to look forward to this year. There, there really is. There really is. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, but as you say, I, I completely agree. His destiny is with Ferrari, but at the same time, his name will only get him so far, in my opinion. And I think he has to show that he is a very good driver in order for Ferrari to give him that opportunity. I think Ferrari will do everything they can to try and, you know, sort of hone his skills within Formula One and junior teams before that, uh, you know, whether that's with Alfa Romeo or with, or with Haas, but he has to earn his right to get in that Ferrari seat. It doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. Don't. Cool. Good nods. Big nods. <laughs> cool. Good I was really expecting you to go into the next question, even though there isn't one. There is no other questions. Uh, so that's why I, I didn't know if any, either of you had any more points. But speaking of points, final thoughts, Katie. Oh, you meanie. Why would you go to me first? Uh, final thoughts are get well soon, Seb. And also Daniel Ricciardo will be racing in case, talking of COVID. He tested positive for COVID last week, um, but he's bringing back negative results and he's in the paddock. So that's cool. He back. He back. And you, Tommy, what would what would you like to say <laughs> on this glorious preseason occasion? Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> there you go. That's a bit of a that's just three a word, word, preview, three word preview review. But I genuinely okay. can't. I can't wait. Like it's it's so exciting to go into a season and not actually know who's best for a change, which is nice. I've yeah. got a, a point to make as well because last year, oh no, bring it up. <laughs> But we did pre like pre-race predictions. So are we going to do that this year? 
or are we leaving it or because Normally we make two predictions ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix. I wish you told oh, me this before we did yeah. the podcast. You know oh, I literally what? just, no, I just thought of it now. Hello, yeah. right, Why don't we do it live? We're, not going. we're doing two live Let's predictions right live. now. Here we okay, go. Right. My first one is... <laughs> you can't do that without qualifying. Ferrari, Ferrari will win the race. <laughs> he literally can't because he's not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ferrari will win the race. Okay, wait, let me... Yeah. And number two... Look, this is, this is difficult. Like this Katie is, and Tommy are now really panicking because they have no idea. So Ferrari will win the race. And number two... Aha. Has don't score points. I love that that's a bold prediction now. (laughs) But it is. It's true. Fifth fastest. Woo. Woo. I'm going to say Latifi uh, finishes ahead of Alban as one of mine. Wow. Bold. I know. And I'm trying to think of something that's a bit different and a bit exciting, but. Um, <laughs> Tommy, why don't you chime in with yours? Yeah. Katie has no idea what she's saying. Uh, oh, I've only got one as well. <laughs> yeah, what's uh, your ha- first one? Hamilton will win the first race. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be so many memes about it. And uh, both McLarens don't finish. Okay. Ooh, I like okay. I like that a lot. Right, Katie, come on. You've got this. Um, I'm going to say science doesn't make uh, Q3. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm gonna go. You're bold. really on that Ferrari non-hype train. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're at the back, pulling the train back. Okay. Fair enough. Well, there you go. There's your, your Thanks, on the, off the cuff, off the cuff. Well, yeah. uh, first race predictions. Uh, as for fans, no idea. We haven't asked you. No. So well, we'll you find them, out who we'll won it in. last year. Who huh? actually won it last year? Who got no the idea. Predictions? We no will idea. also review that on the first podcast review. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Any other questions you want to throw? Any curveballs? Any yeah. more curveballs? You want to just throw any? No, any don't, more, don't answer that. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this uh, off-the-cuff podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, Formula One is, is officially back. Thank you to Katie. Thank you to Tommy. Thank you to all of you. Please leave five stars, likes, whatever it is, whatever platform you're listening or watching on. Subscribe if you're new. Thank you again for one million subscribers on YouTube. It is an unbelievable achievement. Next up is a million on Instagram. Tom is very close to getting that one over there on his old Insta life. And uh, that is about it. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next week. When for well, actually no, we're doing a quality watch. We're doing a free practice watch along tomorrow and a quality watch along. But as for the first official podcast, I look forward to discussing Ferrari's win with you on Tuesday. That's when it goes live on the YouTube. But if you want to watch it live, you have to join Team WTF One, where we do a live podcast on the Monday, where you can see me react live. Do you, do you get this live? No. Ferrari winning. So is live reaction to either way. There'll be tears. <laughs> yeah, there'll be tears one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>